ever met anybody who you were just so grateful that they came into your life and made deep impact, really made a difference? Our speaker this morning is that kind of person for CIL, for Pastor Aaron, and, and for myself. I know Pastor Aaron is deeply grateful for the time that he spends with uh, Pastor Dan Scott from Christ Church. Um, he's a man of great wisdom. He's a good counselor for us. He speaks encouragement. And you're going to love hearing from him this morning. He is bishop in the Anglican Mission in North America and has a special guest with him today whom he will introduce to you. Would you welcome Pastor Dan Scott, please? Good morning. It's a delight and a joy to be here. I've been here before. It's been a while since I've been on a Sunday morning. And I just noticed in the first service I was kind of taken aback by the just the joy in the house and the openness to the presence of the Lord. It just felt really wonderful. I'm glad to be with you uh, here today. So I want to just uh, uh, introduce somebody to you that's a really important um, visitor to our country right now. You might be aware that uh, in, certainly in my lifetime, that the continent of Africa has just become aflame with the, with, with the gospel and that millions of Christians, uh, millions of people are uh, birthed into Christ every year. And uh, that, that in, involves all denominations. So whatever our denominations here are, they lost the boundaries to that a long time ago. And they've just all been uh, kind of caught up in a powerful move of the Spirit that's been sweeping across uh, uh, Africa and Asia especially. Now... In, in our country, lots of churches that are very traditional and, and uh, historic, some of them want to be involved as well. They want touched by the presence of God and what God is doing abroad. And so they're having leaders in their traditions coming back into the country and bringing what's been going on there back into here. We're dressed up this way because later on we're going to Anglican churches, we're going to two different churches to talk today about the reality of the Holy Spirit and life in the Spirit. Anyway, this is Bishop uh, Archbishop Masimango. He is the head of the Anglican Church in the Congo, which is a very, very large country. Uh, and uh, he has quite many stories to tell. But he's going to greet you and tell you a little bit. And then at a return visit, we hope that you can get to know him a little bit better. Archbishop Masimango. Uh, thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Dan. Um, my name is uh, Masimango Katanda. My Christian name is Zakari. Uh, in Congo, when you are baptized, they give you a new name. They look in the Bible. And my father chose Zakari. I don't know why. Hmm. <laughs> so I come from the Democratic Republic of Congo. There is two Congo, the small country. Uh, the Congo I come from is the second largest country in Africa. And uh, we are French-speaking country. Uh, myself, I speak seven languages. And uh, English is my sixth language. So if you are picking mistakes, don't worry about it. This is new. <laughs> um, I've been a bishop for 21 years in Congo, and uh, I've been elected an archbishop, 
which means I'm overseers about uh, 30, 13, 13 bishops. And uh, we are about 600,000 believers. Congo is home to 90 million people. And uh, we have the Catholic Church, which is the majority, and different denominations. All we, we are 94% claim to be Christian. So in this country, you will found everywhere there is churches. Even in the same village, you will find 10 or uh, 5 different churches. And the family are going to different churches. We bless God for that. Uh, but we have uh, many challenges in this Christian country because of the war, civil war, which is not between tribes, but because the international community discover in the country mineral resources uh, like coltan, cobalt, many. We are blessed by God. I can say this is the richest country in Africa, but we don't enjoy it, the, the, rich, the richness of the country. Why people come to the country, they loot our resources, especially they start war and they can occupy a space where there is minerals and extract for their own purposes. You will see if you Google in Democratic Republic of Congo, there was a problem of coltan, which they use for mobile phone. People here, I was in the flight from Vancouver, Canada to Chicago, everyone is chatting. People are not talking, chatting. So they are using mobile phone. This mobile phone, when I see, I remember, many people have been killed in the country to extract these minerals. So people can enjoy uh, outside the country and people are living in poverty in the country. So we need your prayer and those advocacy uh, for those who can have influence to politicians or businessmen who are enjoying the resources from Africa, especially from Congo, that they may take them uh, and give them some back to the community so we may, we may enjoy good roads, good school and hospital. Myself, I'm the bishop in the bush, in the, the rural area. I used to walk, sometimes 100 kilometers, 50, to reach out the community. Sometimes by motorbike or foot, keno, because we are Congo River, it's a huge, huge river. But all that, uh, we are spreading the gospel so that people may be converted to I'm very happy to be here, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm the first um, service. I was very happy to see how people are worshiping also God here. I can confess to you, when I was young, I never see a white man in the church. <laughs> I only see white men in the mining company. 
in the mining or in the police with a shikot. No, I've never seen a white man in the church. We can see only the Catholic fathers who came to teach, up, to teach, to teach us catechism, but no in the church. But coming here, <laughs> full, full of Christians. So it changed my world view. Christianity is all over the world, not only in Africa. So I praise God for that. And I will continue to pray for you and pray also for us so that we can be transformed completely by the gospel. Thank you for listening to me. And thank you to Deborah and Dan who bring me here. I'm very happy you choose a good place for me to come. Thank you. <laughs> Would you stand and we'll read together the, a passage of Scripture, John chapter 14, verse 18, gospel reading for the day. Let's, I will start in, in verse uh, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. So you see, the Lord's talking about his relationship with the Father and how his relationship with his disciples connects them to the Father. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. Once again, here's this Father, Son with the people of God. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The words that you hear are not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Lord, we ask your blessings on this word that we now uh, impart to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. So I'm a little confused too this morning. I've been speaking French for several days with our, our guest. And, uh, and so it's been uh, many years. I, I, was, I pastored in, in Montreal uh, and had French-speaking church there uh, 37 years ago. And so I keep thinking, okay, how do you say this again? And I'll think it now after several days, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to uh, express myself in English. So you know, uh, this, is, this is a global problem, I guess. Uh, learn another language or, or get old, as the case may be, or, or do the both, both at the same time. Then now you're really in trouble. Today is the Feast of Pentecost, and so all over the world, Christians are celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you about the meaning of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? 
And the reason I want to say this to you is because particularly in the older churches of the world and globally, of course, older churches are Catholic, Anglican, Lutheran, those in, in our country, uh, I don't know if it's a majority, but great many, many millions of Christians are evangelicals, which is a relatively uh, newcomer uh, movement to, to the Christian world. Only a few hundred years, and it's kind of in flux and continues to change and contemporize in many different ways. But in the older churches around the world, they maintain the rhythm of a church year. Uh, and so on this day, along with Jewish people, we remember Pentecost, the Jewish people remembering uh, God giving the law to uh, Moses at Sinai, and Christians remembering the descent of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And if you go to those churches, what you will see is, uh, you'll see uh, the, uh, the cloth that's draped in red and, and white today. Uh, you will uh, hear hymns about the Holy Spirit. They will read do readings about the Holy Spirit, and there'll be all these kind of solemn pronouncements about the importance of the, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And it'll be beautiful, and it'll be wonderful, but in very few churches will there be any experience of the Holy Spirit whatsoever, because it's, it's uh, talking about something that happened a long time ago. One of the most powerful hymns in the history of the church is called the Vini Sancti Spiritus, which is a Latin hymn, and it's absolutely gorgeous. It will be sung in many churches today by choirs, and the organ will play, and line after line of that hymn will say, Lord, send your gifts uh, to your church, anoint your people with the fire of the Holy Spirit, but the problem is it'll be in Latin, and no one will understand it. So that's on one side of the church. On the evangelical side of the church and many Protestant churches, uh, if there is an, an, a kind of noting of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit today because it's Pentecost, there still will be no expectation that it will ever be a living reality. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead. There'll be some doctrinal explanations about how the enrolled poured in the Trinity, and there'll be all this discussion about the Holy Spirit, but no real immediate experience of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to talk to you today about why that is. Who is the Holy Spirit? Why are we reluctant to talk about the Holy Spirit? I want to talk to you about that. Now, one reason that people are reluctant to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, is because many crazy things have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was, uh, my, my uh, birth home and my ancestral home is in the mountains of southern West Virginia. And there, Pentecostals have been known to have a, um, a perverse relationship with reptiles. Uh, and uh, so uh, you mentioned that about the Holy Spirit, like, whoa, that's the snake church. Don't want anything to do with that. Uh, I used to joke about that at Christ Church and just say, yeah, we have an alternative Appalachian service at two o'clock in the afternoon. The reptiles are included. And some people would laugh, but then finally staff people were like, don't do that. That's not funny. To me. I, think, I said, I think it's hilarious. I'm like, no, no, it's not funny at all. We already are uh, uh, having a problem uh, with our people, the way people receive us. And cause don't, don't, don't say that, but uh, I'll say it here. And then Pastor Aaron can come back and straighten it out like, no, 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 no it's nothing like that. I don't know why he said that. But, but you know, I, I use that as an example because that's a far-fetched example. But probably, if you've been around Christian circles very long, you've seen abuses 
in the name of charismatic life or baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we, we are reluctant in all kinds of ways. Either we formalize it and ceremonialize it on one side or we kind of sideline it by being really doctrinal and theological or uh, we're, we're just frightened of, of the role. And I, I, want to, I want to ask why that is. And I think there are several reasons, but we'll see that in a moment. But first, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, we, we did the Apostles' Creed today, and that's a very, very early statement of Christian faith. At the same time they were compiling the canon of Scripture, they were compiling these creeds. And the first creed was the Apostles' Creed. It's very, very early, probably somewhere about uh, uh, 120 A.D. or even, uh, uh, or even earlier. It begins to uh, come out of the church at Antioch. And in this creed, it just says, we believe in the Holy Spirit. There was nothing more to say because the people had life in the Holy Spirit. This was a present reality, as you see in the book of Acts. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and so to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, people just took for granted. But a bit later, it was more problematic. And so in the Nicene Creed, which will be uh, quoted all over the world today, I love this line. It says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. The Lord, the giver of life. We see this in this passage. The Lord says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I don't want you to worry about me taking off because the Father who I've been talking about is going to send another comforter and you're going to know him and you're going to love him. He's the Holy Spirit. The Father will send uh, in my name. Uh, two weeks ago today, um, uh, my mother passed away and uh, she was uh, 86 uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, one thing, if, if you're older and you've had been blessed to have your parents for a long time, uh, you, you can uh, testify to the fact that it doesn't matter how old you are or how old your parents are, uh, it, it's really hard to lose your father or your mother. And I thank God that my father is able body of mind, and he's 87, and he's a, a dear person, and he's praying for me, and he always prays for me. When I preach wherever I go, my father... My father is a very good and very uh, uh, holy and a good man, and he prays for me. And my mom, of course, I talk to her uh, every week, and, and, uh, and then one day she began to get a little dementia uh, a few months ago, and we didn't know exactly where that was going, but we thought, well, there'll be some years of caring for mom, and then uh, she passed away. And so after service last Sunday, I rushed up to St. Louis, and my dad, my dad was... Uh, texting me and say, you're driving too fast, stop driving fast, because uh, he, he says, find my friends, he's uh, kind of, uh, and, uh, and so he knows where I'm at right now, and uh, like Santa Claus, he knows when you sleep and knows when you're awake, uh, and, and so he's like, you're driving too fast, but to my mom, he was saying, hang on, uh, hang on, because Dan's coming, and he'll be here, and the Lord blessed me with being able to be with my mom, uh, and, my, and my family, as she passed. I noticed, uh, 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 interesting things occur when a person is coming to that place. One thing, my mom stopped speaking uh, English, and uh, and for some reason, the day before she, uh, I guess she decided she was done with that. So she was speaking Spanish. Most of our family are bilingual, uh, and uh, so we sang her out of out of the this world, singing hymns and courses that we knew in Latin America a long time ago. But we knew the moment that the spirit departed from her body. If you've ever been with someone dying, you know this. 
And so just a few seconds before, it was mom, it was her, it was uh, mom, and we're talking to her even though she's not responding very much. Uh, and then a few seconds after, especially when the uh, coroner was coming and so forth, it's mom's body, the body. We're taking the body home to West Virginia where my family's from. And uh, so the change, it, it, it was my mother's body and, and we were caring for it with respect. But it, it, it wasn't mom anymore because the spirit had departed. And, and respectfully, many Christian churches around the world, I, thank God they've maintained the form of things. Thank God we still have a Bible. Thank God they still go and they're, they're trying to be morally upright and to listen to the teachings of Scripture and follow the Lord. But something's missing. And what is it? It's the Lord, the giver of life. The giver of life. See, we, 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 want, we want when the unbeliever especially comes into the church. They're not interested, if they ever were, they're not interested anymore in uh, 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 explaining to them the doctrines of the faith. They're not interested in our take on the faith. They don't care if we're Presbyterians or Methodists or something else. They don't care about any... But when they come into the church and they can sense the Lord, the giver of life, something in the soul of the human being that was created to know God jumps and, oh, oh this is it. And without that, then it's, well, you've got to go through these classes and learn all of which we should do. And you've got you know, to learn how to speak Christianese and, and, and connect with folks. But where is the Lord, the giver of life? The Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead that, uh, that, that embodies the divine unpredictability of the Holy Spirit. Now, in creation, the, the Father is like he sets things in order. So the, the land is not the, is not the sea, and the night is not the day, and man is not woman, woman's not man, man's not animal, and, and all that. And uh, so we get separation and division and order. The, the creation requires order. That's why we plan a service. You know, we don't just come here and like, okay, what's up? You know, you know well, we go sing today, or there's a certain order. Even in churches that say they shouldn't have any order, they have an order. It's just, it's just uh, you, have to, you have to know it by memory. Uh, it's never printed out. But it, there's an order because we, we can't do anything together unless there's an order. And that's proper and good. Uh, but and and in and, and in uh, you see in this the art of the church you can always see Jesus depicted and you and he's with the lamb or he's rising from the grave or he's on the cross or he's a little baby with his mother and but the Holy Spirit we don't know what to do we we don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit and so when you you go to old churches that depict the Holy Spirit in stained glass or iconography you see a dove you see fire you see uh, uh, the the effects of wind. Uh, and if you'll notice, every one of these elements are unstable. Well, you know, you've, you, the water flows into a container, but, but as soon as that container breaks, that water's gone. It's not going to maintain that shape. It's flowing. It's moving. The, the dove is flying. The, uh, the fire is burning. And so when, when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, uh, you may be very, you know, you may be very theologically astute. You may know the Bible very well, or you may not, or you may be absolutely certain that your church is the absolutely correct church and no one's ever had the revelation that like your church has had. All those things you may have exactly just right in place, but when the Spirit begins to move in your life, He pushes you to a place that you don't know where you're going, and now you're out of control, and you're like, well, what, 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 what? I don't... I, 
And, uh, and so within the order, within the structure of the church that's proper and good, there's also that element of divine unpredictability where the spirit is wind is blowing and we don't know where the wind is coming, where it's going. Oh, don't we long for the Lord to speak newness into our life. See, even in creation, the world was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, but the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. The Virgin Mary, the, the angel told her that the angel, that the spirit of God shall overshadow you and what has been, it will be born in you is the son of the most high God. Wherever there's creation, the spirit is brewing. And I can tell you this morning, I have sensed the spirit brewing over this church. There is a sense, there's a good openness in the church to the work and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you also have good teachings and good guidelines. You don't have to worry or be afraid of what will happen in this church if the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do in the church. Isn't that wonderful? So why have we neglected the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Probably because of this divine unpredictability factor and we're a little afraid of being out of control. But here's another thing. Uh, probably one of the most, maybe the most influential book on sociology that's been written in the last 20 years was written um, by Charles Taylor and it's called The Secular Age. And what he tells us in the, in the book The Secular Age is he says that for 200 years, Western culture in all of its forms, what he calls the North Atlantic culture, Northern Europe, U.S. and Canada, we have been uh, dismissing the category of the transcendent. We've lost the category of the transcendent. So our ancestors would say, oh, I, you know, the wind is blowing in a certain way or the moon has a certain phase and you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't think we better plant yet or whatever. And you, if you had great grandparents somewhere, particularly if you're from the mountains, there was a lot of talk like this. Uh, the, the omens aren't quite good. It, it seemed like, you know, I saw a woolly worm the other day and I don't think we should plant the crops yet, whatever. Uh, so there's this idea that there's something beyond and you can kind of discern it by looking at the very different signs and so forth. This is the way all human beings have thought until very recently. But in, in, uh, in uh, northern uh, in Europe and in, uh, in North America, we have been dismissing that category. And he says that this is true of Christians, not just unbelievers. So what do we have in the Christian church? Well, we have liberals and conservatives, like everywhere else. And we're in a, in a civil war. We've been in civil war. I don't know how that's going to be settled. But... Uh, on, on the liberal side, it's, and you, you go to Easter on a, on a, in a church that's pretty liberal in Christian circles, and you'll hear preaching like, well, you know, the church has always confessed the resurrection of Jesus. And metaphorically, it speaks to how we can have new life too. We can, we can be very discouraged or your life can be ruined, but there can be rebirth. And so we're talking about the idea of resurrection. But if you listen very close, you're, you're hearing huge doubts about whether a man ever got up from the grave and lived again, come out of the grave. And so there's this dismissal of the possibility of miracles uh, in the past and present. What you get in conservative circles is Jesus rose bodily and physically from the dead and he gave us these rules and we better start following them. We're all, we're all going straight to hell and you, we better straighten up. Now, the Lord's not showing up here today. He hadn't been with us for a long time, but he's going to come again somewhere in some way. Uh, but in between, we better follow these rules. And some of you aren't following them. And by golly, you better start. Uh, and uh, also, you know, the offering. So, um, 
you know, so we, we have this problem that we have, we think, we think we're battling conservatives and, and, and liberals in the church, but really in the West, we're, we're on the same basis, actually. And both of us have dismissed the Lord, the giver of life, that, that we can expect that that someone that the doctors say they can't help can be healed. That someone who needs guidance will receive guidance from the Spirit. That someone who has come to the end of their ability and financial resources can receive financial uh, provision in some way unbeknownst to them that comes out of nowhere because we have poked our head into another world and we have another level of reality that Christians have been exposed to through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Lord, the giver of life. Oh, how we need that today. And I can tell you, uh, I better watch my time. Uh, I, I was raised in Pentecostal tradition, and we don't have any clocks. <laughs> uh, we just preach until it's in, you know, reptiles or not. So, um, I, I can tell you this. What our world is longing for, brothers and sisters, we cannot yell people into submission to the word of God. We try, you know, we get in these fusses with our with people that have either uh, say they've lost faith or people that aren't Christians, and you know, we pound our fists and we. It's not doing anything. Jesus said, "If I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people to me." By this, they all men will know you're my disciples, because you have love one for another. Through many infallible proofs, he showed himself to be yet alive. I can promise you, I don't care if a person's, where they are on the political spectrum, where they are socioeconomically or racially, if they walk in here and the presence of God is here and they see the presence of God in the faces of the people of God, something in them says, this is where I wish to be. Amen. So how do believers and congregations open up to the Holy Spirit? And I had, I had these remarks kind of prepared because a lot of places I go, you know, it's kind of a mystery. It, that's, that's not true here. There's an openness to the Spirit already. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving advice that probably you don't need. But, but perhaps you individually need this. You have to ask. The reason that hymn I was talking about, Veni Sancti Spiritus, is sung uh, is because a long time ago people did understand it uh, when they were speaking Latin. And you can hear that verse after verse. It's about calling on the Holy Spirit to come among the people of God and make the difference. So we do that in different ways. I, well, I was, of course, burying mom, um, and we got to the graveside. They had a funeral, and it was a good funeral, and as funerals go. And, and uh, as, you know, everybody talked, and, and it was, it was it's showing respect to my mother. I appreciate it. But our real moment was on the hillside with our, with our um, extended family members, uh, and where we just uh, entered the presence of God for a few moments to um, lay my mom to rest, and so they were all they were all standing there and up on the mountainside's cold country, and so I just started up. Oh, who will come and help me sing? The song of Zion's conquering king While I speak of his dear name My soul begins to feel the flame He tells me not to be afraid 
He has seen beyond the grave, and whosoever will may come, Jesus Christ refuses none. You can hear in an ancient song like that an opening up of the soul. There's a difference, you see, between emotion and emotionalism. Emotionalism is where a church makes emotion the main thing. The reason that, you know, so it's cheerleading. You say this, I'll say that. You say this, I'll say that. Then there's a rift on the, then there's, you know, and then we sing. And, and finally people are like, you know, and, 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 and it's like, woo, 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 and, and there's nothing it's, nothing, it's not evil. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. It's just loud. And there's good movement. And it's not boring. And all of that's it's got going for it. But the Holy Spirit is an opening of the... The Holy Spirit comes when there's an opening of the soul. And you can hear in some of these very... All around the world, these, these versions of soul-opening songs and prayers that leave the soul bare and, is, and, 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 and something inside us that never gets to even be heard or experienced in the day-to-day of our, uh, our fast pace business structured kind of a world that there's no place for the soul to breathe but when you come into a place like that and we give and that's I appreciated the music today I urge you to continue to search for those things that open the soul to the presence of God so the people of God can have a moment to get beyond even the good stuff of church and touch the presence of the Lord the giver of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Pentecost, not just as a historical event, but as a real reality, a present reality in our lives right now. I thank you, O Lord, that as now we prepare in just a moment to come to your table, that this is not just a memorial of something that happened a long time ago, as wonderful and important as a Passover and, and the Lord's table is, but is a celebration and an entrance into life. We pray, O oh Lord, that if there's anybody here today that has been reluctant to know the Lord, the giver of life, that today in their own way, in a way that's right for them, that you will open their soul to your presence. And maybe today, even for a brief few seconds, there will be something, maybe for the first time in life or for a long, long time, there will be this awakening, this quickening, and they will sense your presence and press in further and deeper to know you in the living reality of the presence of God. We thank you for this bread and this wine which you have given us and human hands have prepared and is for us the body and the blood of Christ. We pray, O Lord, that as we receive it, we will remember our sins are forgiven. And the blood that was shed covers all of our sins and removes them as far as the east is from the west so that we can be prepared and equipped to enter the living presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.